0: And so just join me as I read um, Philippians chapter 1, verse 19 to 26. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body whether in life or by death for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain if I am to go on living in the body this will mean fruitful labor for me yet what shall I choose I do not know I am torn between two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is, ne- it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with you all. For you progress in your joy and in the faith, so that through being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. This is the Word of God. Thank
1: you. Uh, Over the past few months, I found it really fascinating what the pandemic pandemic has taught us about our freedoms. Uh, Early on, it was was hard, wasn't it? We couldn't go outdoors and sit on park benches. Uh, Lots of businesses had to close, and we were only allowed to go out for essential services. Uh, What I'm hearing now in America is that everyone is also... Not only being told to stay home, but when they do go out, they have to now wear masks. In a lot of states, and a lot of cities, you have to wear a mask if you go outdoors. And I don't know if you were following the news this last week, but it was quite interesting what was coming out of America. There were people that were protesting about their freedoms. In particular, their freedoms about wearing a mask. Now, this was happening in Palm Beach, Florida. People spoke out about why they were against wearing masks. Uh, You can look it up. There's a a video. It went viral. It was really educational, mainly because I learned that there are people out there who really passionately don't like wearing face masks. Uh, Regardless of the risk that exists of getting sick, uh, they don't want to wear a mask on their face. Inside this public hearing, one person got up and angrily said that wearing a mask is throwing God's wonderful breathing system out the door. Another said this about the government, you're removing our freedoms and stomping on our constitutional rights by these communist dictatorship orders of laws you want to mandate. I think masks are good. Difficult to wear, especially if you have glasses, but they're good to wear, especially helping stopping you know germs being sprayed into your face. But I can understand there are some who really might not like wearing them. Some who might hate it with a passion. I mean, with months of lockdown and now being told to wear masks, it seems that there are some in the public who feel that they no longer have any freedoms in life. And while we might laugh at these people, but don't we hate passionately when our freedoms are taken away as well? We have a constitutional right to have our freedom. We're entitled to it. So when we're forced to stay at home months on end, when we don't have any other choice, we We at least grumble, don't we? We hate it when work requires us to stay late or work weekends. We hate it when we we want to enjoy a nice road trip to the coast, but half the time we're stuck in traffic. We hate it when we get sick or our health fails us. We're limited by that. No one likes it when others try to control you as well. Ask any teenager about their parents and control. No one likes it when our freedoms are restricted. But what if we could live life with a sort of freedom... That isn't limited by our circumstances. One where even if we're forced to wear masks, we can still have a sense of freedom, a deeper, true sense of freedom. What if we could experience a freedom that wasn't affected by what others expected of us or what these frail, finite, mortal bodies are capable of? What if we could experience a freedom that truly liberates our souls? So no matter what we might be going through, rather than feeling crippled or paralyzed, you and I could have a confidence because God gives us a deeper freedom a confidence because god gives us a truer freedom that can't be found elsewhere when we read the words of paul in the section of philippians it's soaked isn't it in a confidence that no matter what he's going to face in life he's free in jesus his faith gives him a confidence that he's truly free uh, let's let's read it together because i think it's really important to see how he has that confidence Um, from verse 19 a few words before verse 19 i'm going to read follow along with me uh, on the bible uh, on the bible tab if you're on that screen or just open up your bibles chapter one verse 19 yes and i will rejoice for i know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of jesus christ this will turn out for my deliverance stop there if you're wondering what he's talking about here You've got to remember, last week we heard about his situation. He's in jail, he's in prison, he's in chains. We don't know how serious the circumstances are. He might be facing death row execution. But we heard last week that he still has this joy. He rejoices. He rejoices still, even though he's suffering, but he's suffering for the gospel. The gospel is still advancing, it's still going forward. And so he's going to continue to rejoice. He's going to continue to rejoice because he's confident that the it says the prayers of the people and the spirit of Christ as well, in them there'll be deliverance. Now we don't know what this means, this deliverance. He could be referring to deliverance from prison, getting out of jail. Uh, or he could be referring to a deliverance from this life. So he could go to the next life. Whatever it is, it's probably perhaps thinking through deliverance of prison. But he's confident, isn't he? That the prayers of the people and the spirit will deliver him remember what's happened so far in this letter chapter one we heard about how he was thankful he was thankful for the prayers of the people he's talking again about the prayers of the people he's thankful for their partnership he knows that they're praying for him we heard about how there was a a church who cared for him the church of philippi the philippians who supported him Their, their prayers were going to help him get through this situation as well they were going to give him confidence courage they were going to empower him and we know as christians god works through the prayers of people doesn't he God asks us to pray for one another and God will work through prayers. And so there's this confidence that Paul has here in the people. But you see, it's actually more helpful to also read this as a prayer of the people and the supply of the Spirit of Christ. That through prayer, the Spirit of Christ will give him boldness. In in 2 Timothy, Paul writes that letter to Timothy as well. In chapter 1, verse 7, Paul writes to Timothy, a young leader in the church, reminding him that God's Spirit has been given to him and that Spirit... Is a spirit of power, a spirit of boldness. The Holy Spirit gives us that. Paul knows the Holy Spirit. He knows the boldness that the Holy Spirit will give him. And so he asks for the prayers of the people, and he knows that through the Spirit, there will be a deliverance. He has this confidence here, doesn't he? Regardless of his circumstances, he's he knows that the Philippians are praying for God to work. And so he has this confidence that he will be delivered. Now, I don't know about you, but do you ever ask the Spirit of Christ for help? the Holy Spirit for help uh, we often shy away from asking the Spirit to help because we just don't understand how it works how how God works through his Spirit and often we just don't talk about that enough some churches talk too much about the Holy Spirit I mean the Holy Spirit has its place and we should be talking about it and we should be praying that the Holy Spirit will work in us to give us boldness we should be praying that for each other the God is three persons each person is Unique, different roles in the Godhead, but they're all still the one God. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing, when you pray for each other, pray for the Spirit to work. We need the Spirit to help us to fight temptation, to repent of sin, to give us boldness, to stand up for Jesus, to have courage, to have hope in times of trials and suffering. We can't do it without God's help. And when we say that, we can't do it without God's Spirit. That's what it means. That's what we mean when we say that. So let's do that. God doesn't leave us alone to deal with our own crap, right? He gives us his spirit to be with us. And so we can pray and ask the spirit to be at work. So pray that for yourselves. Pray that for others in the church. And as we do that, as we as the spirit works, Jesus gets glory. See, our confidence isn't just to tell ourselves we're good and think think things will be good. You know, confidence isn't this self-help program. You, know, you just got to believe in yourself and you can conquer any mountain that comes your way. I mean, sure, some people need to hear that and need to be you know, motivated and empowered in those ways just through those words. But really, they're shallow on their own, aren't they? Those words are shallow on their own. But Paul here, he's, he has this confidence that rests in the one who has all things in the palm of his hand. Paul's confidence is in God, in the spirit of God. So whether Paul faces execution or not, his deliverance from prison, or deliverance from this world to the next, nothing's going to face him. Paul, Paul has this confidence from knowing the power of God. A God who loves him. A God who cares for him. And he has a confidence in people's prayers for him. There's a community who loves him as well. And so this is a precursor to what he's about to say, a very popular passage, a favorite verse for many. Let's read it, verse 20. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better now, I'm going to stop there just after verse 23, but death, he's saw about death here, that he's going to probably face death. Uh, departing from this life is something that no one wishes for, is it? We don't wish it for someone else as well. Paul here, though, he's confident that, that even death can be a good thing, is a good thing. He says he's not wanting to die because he hates life. He's, he's not saying that, is he? He's not saying death because, oh, I can't stand this anymore. Death isn't a sorrowful thing. Death isn't a depressing thing when eternity with Christ awaits. That's what he's saying. Most of us here, right? We're in our 20s, 30s, maybe 40s, uh, whatever. You might feel young still, right? And you're thinking, Mike, I'm not even thinking about death. And I get that. But that doesn't mean death won't come to you. It doesn't mean death won't come to someone close to you. And it is heartbreaking. It is sad. A few years ago, uh, I attended uh, the funeral of a friend's brother in his 20s who died from a car accident. And I overheard friends saying, wow, this this really shakes me up. It's, It's so close to home. It could have been any one of us. And that's exactly it. Until you realize that death is real, you'll never realize how much death threatens us all. And we hate death. It not only takes away our loved ones, death frustrates our goals. Death robs you of what you value most. But Paul wasn't thinking this. Wow, I'm scared of death. He's not thinking that there's still so much I want to do in life. He's not thinking that, yeah, I know many of us, I want to travel the world still. I want to go skydiving. I want to buy that big house on that hill. I don't want to die. I'm still a virgin. Whatever it is that you're thinking. He wasn't thinking that. Yes, death might rob us of all those things. But you know what? Paul here, he's he's saying, hey, I welcome death because I value Christ more. Later on, chapter 3, verse 8, he says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. You see what he values? Christ. He goes on and in verse chapter 3, verse 12. He says, I press on to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. And so you can understand here why here in uh, verse 21 for, for Paul, it says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. It makes so much sense because he has Christ and that's all he needs. There is no loss when you have Christ. And so death, he can look death right in the face and see it as an occasion for the fulfillment of his highest value that Christ might be made much of that he could gain Christ, that he could be with Christ. And so he says in verse 23, I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart with Christ. That is far better, he says, far better. Death is far better when you get to be with Jesus. You see, for the gospel-centered Christian, there is no fear in death. Death is not the end. And so for Paul, he has a confidence, doesn't he, in the face of death itself, because he knows he gains something far greater, being with Christ. Isn't that liberating? I mean, isn't that so, so freeing? We've been freed by Christ to live a life, not burdened by our mortal finite bodies, not enslaved by the expectations of society. Being told to stay at home, man, I can cope with that because I have Christ. Honestly, for the average person, we think that we have this right to, to life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. That's true, isn't it? For all of us, we believe we have that right. Freedom is our constitutional right, but we deny the existence of death, thinking we can have all those things. Death is very real, friends, and it takes away all our rights, doesn't it? We're not in control of it. It robs us of our freedom. And, and so there are people who will try to just understand the world. Well, there's nothing after this grave, after this life except the grave. We just die. We're buried and we're forgotten. And so we live this life and we're told, hold on to the things we have in this life, the material things, our relationships our possessions thinking this is all we have and we put it on the highest tier the highest priority it leads us to look inwardly doesn't it we don't want to risk anything and 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 translate into into the christian life as well we don't want to risk anything in service of god we're scared of letting those things go because this is all we have to give everything here and now i'd rather do that i'd rather live life to the fullest now live life to the edge because there's nothing else after this But doesn't the Christian faith tell us there's something so much greater? Death is gain. We're not losing out on anything if we were to die and we were to lose everything. We get to have Christ. We get to be in heaven with Christ. That's the gospel. The gospel is the good news, right, of Jesus. We get to have God. That's the good news. We're forgiven of our sin. We get to have God. We get to have everlasting life with him. When we grasp and understand that we can have a conf- we can have a confidence, can't we, in death, a confidence that when when death stares us right in the face, we get to be with Christ, our treasure, our our fountain of life. I mean, that's far better than anything this life can offer. Friends, there is no loss. Then there is no loss for the Christian when we die as someone who belongs to Jesus. We get to be with Him. You know, when someone takes away something from us. We often feel at loss, don't we? I mean, that's we feel robbed. But would you feel the same way if you had, say, an unlimited supply of money, a surplus of it, a bank account that never rents? Just try to imagine that if you can. I know it's hard to imagine. If you had that then, and your wallet was stolen by someone, would that hurt you? Would you be affected by that? There's no loss, right? You wouldn't be devastated. You have an unlimited bank account. Uh, maybe a better analogy closer to home is the Christian right is is someone it's like the person who has an unlimited bucket of KFC (laughs) it's unlimited and sure I might share with you I'll give you one maybe two pieces maybe three no I'm joking no sweat I can give you as many pieces as you want I have an unlimited bucket chicken for everyone take it take as many as you want it's like that see when we have Jesus we have everything already there is no loss we lose out on nothing even if this very life that I hold on to so tightly, even in this, if this life was taken away from us, even if we had to stare death in its face, I mean, should we be concerned? You see, it's not like a video game where we die and it's game over. When we die, we win. We get to obtain the greatest treasure, the delight of our hearts. We get Jesus. That's what the gospel secures for us. And so that's why Paul can say he rejoices. He's not robbed of it, even though he might be facing death row, execution. He doesn't know what the future lies ahead of him lies, and there is no game over. But there's this, this is continued that leads on this everlasting bonus round with Christ. This is difficult for some of us to understand, and I get that. But this is at the heart of his confidence. Whatever situation he has, Jesus. We've seen this uh, echo true in history, isn't it? Uh, We've seen people die for their faith because they get to be with Jesus and so they'll willingly be martyred, go to their death because they get to gain Christ. Five years ago, you might have remembered on the news, uh, on a beach in the Mediterranean, there were 21 Egyptian Christians that were beheaded by Muslim extremists for their faith. As gruesome and as sad as it was, one of the parents after the death said this, when i saw he died with the name of jesus on his lips i was very proud i rejoiced you see there are christians who are, who can stare death in its face and still rejoice because they get to have christ there was no loss those christians who died gained christ they got to be with him and if anything the church grew from it in the middle east they were empowered uh, as a second-century theologian, uh, Tertullian, once observed, he said this, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. You see, we know Christ. We get to be with Christ, and that gives us courage, doesn't it? That even if we had to face death, even if our freedoms were taken away, we have a confidence. We get to be with Christ, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Paul goes on, verse 25. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. You can see from these verses that Paul genuinely considers his choice to live rather than to die to be the more difficult and sacrificial choice. He'd rather die because he gets to be with Jesus, but he knows I'm going to stay alive, God's going to deliver me. I'm going to stay alive so I can continue encouraging the church, I'm going to continue supporting the church, and continue doing God's work here. I mean, if it were up to him, he'd rather die, right? But Paul's willing to put the interests of the Philippian church ahead of his own. Why? For the sake of Christ. Christ, again, is more important than life itself to him. The joy and progress of his fellow Christians more important than de- the departing to be with Christ. To live is Christ, so he'll keep living. His life belongs to Jesus. His life was paid for by the blood of Jesus. Jesus has secured something far greater for Paul, accomplished something far greater than Paul could ever accomplish, a freedom that only Jesus can give. Christ is all that matters. It's all that matters. It should be all that matters to us as well. Everything else will just enslave us. A million-dollar house? Design a wardrobe? Nice cars? Perfect family? Beautiful husband or wife? Without Jesus? Paul would say those things we've achieved. Those things we've accomplished. They're not worth a thing. Things fade. Things have an expiry date. Things don't last. Death will come for all of us. This life doesn't last. And so for Paul, those goals and ambitions, good as they might be, are so limiting. They limit us from experiencing something far greater. If that was all we were going to live for, we're missing out on the thing that's going to last for eternity, Christ. He frees us, doesn't he, to live this life for something, for someone far greater and so when he says in verse 20, he doesn't want to be ashamed. He doesn't want to bring shame to Jesus. That's what he's saying here. His life and death will exalt Jesus. We all now we, we all know what shame looks like, don't we? Oh, that embarrassing moment when you get that, that hot sauce all over your white shirt or that cute dress and everyone can see it. It's that moment when you're on stage and you realize your fly is undone. <laughs> that, you feel ashamed, your face goes red. That moment when you uh, trip on the last stair right to the bus stop and everyone sees you on the bus It's so embarrassing you feel a bit of shame don't you for some of us being told you're a disappointment to your family brings us shame we want people to look at us and think highly of us we want people to think highly of us and we get that feeling of shame when we fail to get that from others paul though he's not worried about being ashamed for his own name for himself He's not ashamed of what people think about him, but he wants everyone to think highly of Christ. He wants his life to honor Christ. He doesn't want to bring shame to Christ. Yeah, we might feel shame when we're belittled in front of people, but Paul feels shame when Christ is belittled. He doesn't live to impress those around him about how good he is. And isn't that so freeing? He lives to exalt and honor Jesus. He finds his confidence not in his own skills and abilities, not in his eloquent speech or outgoing personality, but finds his confidence in both life and death through his relationship with Jesus. To live as Christ. See, Paul has a confidence in Christ in life and death because he has secured everything in the treasure that he has in Jesus. We are saved people, redeemed by the power of God. And so we can approach life with this whole different perspective it's it's a very transformed approach to life we don't need to feel insecure or shy afraid of making mistakes being a disappointment we don't need to feel like we need to be perfect that we need to know everything and always be right our confidence in the work of the lord jesus and what he has already done for us that's where we're going to find our success that's where we're going to find our wins it's not in what we're capable of or what we're able to achieve jesus has done it for us and isn't that so liberating? I mean, it's funny, isn't it? All we want to do in life is to win, win, win. And we get this idea that winning life means having an unlimited, unrestricted freedom to do whatever we want. So we want freedom in our relationships. We want freedom uh, in our uh, career. We want freedom. We want financial freedom. We want freedom to live life to the fullest. We all feel entitled to it, don't we? But isn't it so countercultural? to everything we understand, when we realize that the gospel, what Paul and many other Christians banked their lives upon, is that it was a loss. It was a defeat. It was the loss, the death of a man on a cross, which pointed us to humanity's greatest win, humanity's greatest victory. See, we can approach this life and the next life knowing we've already won. Christ accomplished the victory for us. We can go through life with a confidence that comes from Jesus who bought us at a price. A confidence that in all things we live to serve the glory of our King and not ourselves. A confidence in the one who has accomplished something far greater than what you and I could ever accomplish or secure for ourselves. A freedom that lasts forever because you get to be with Jesus forever. Wow. We can go through this life. We can get bruised and battered but still have confidence we can still know that it's not about success or failure wins and losses because at the end there's something we get to have something we get to look forward to jesus himself you know i imagine this to be a little bit like getting tickets to a concert you see uh, one of our members andy he loves Coldplay. and imagine if andy was told by the concert venue that even though the tickets were sold out in the first three minutes online he can still get tickets if he goes and lines up and queues up for 24 hours. But this is what he has to do. He has to line up. Uh, he can't get out of that line to eat. He can't get out of that line to go see his wife or his baby. He can't get out of that line to go to the toilet or to pee. Like He, just, he has to endure it. He'll endure the pain. He'll enjoy, endure the hunger. He'll endure, endure the harsh weather. The hard ground to sleep on. Because he knows when he gets to the end of that line, there's a ticket to that concert that he's been hankering for for so long. See, that's the treasure Paul has in Christ. There's something to look forward to. But what if, what if Andy, he endures all that hardship and finds out at the end of that line, there is no ticket. He's waited for 24 hours for nothing. He'd be devastated, right? But then imagine he gets to the end of the line and they say, you know what? You don't get to go to the concert, but you can go backstage. You can go backstage and you get to meet Coldplay in person. Wow. Who cares if you had to suffer for for a little while, there is no loss. You get to meet a cold person. You get to meet Jesus. See, for Paul, he might not get out of prison. He might, be, he might remain there in jail. He might not get that ticket to get out of jail. But what keeps Paul sober in life is that Jesus is a far greater treasure. That even if I die, I'm not losing. That's life for Paul. Whether he gets to go to the concert or whether he gets to meet him face-to-face. Live or die, it's a win-win. In our arrogance and in our entitled nature, we want control of our fate, don't we? We want to be captains of our destiny, but there are things that are out of our control. There might be a pandemic that sweeps the world and we're all in lockdown, forced to wear masks to protect ourselves and others, forced to consider our career options, to consider our finances and start budgeting even though we never used to. But Paul shows us, isn't there, with our freedoms? There's a deep contentment that comes from knowing his treasure in Jesus, is secure. You will endure anything and everything, not in a hope that it will be yours, but because you know it is going to be yours. It's a win-win with Jesus. I know this is a hard pill to swallow for some. To persevere with joy, a joy and a peace, even when it means enduring through the hardest of circumstances, even when it means that life has no bright light at the end of the tunnel, even when it means that you'll have to keep fighting the waves of despair that keep crashing in and you feel like at times there is no hope at times no one will understand you no one will understand what you're going through no one can comfort you no one can make you feel better no one can help you out of the pit that you're in it's tough it's hard but jesus wants you to know you can have a peace a freedom You can be liberated from the shackles of life, from the slavery to our emotions, even our fear of death. Jesus has secured that for you. He is so much greater. And that's what he's accomplished through his death and his resurrection. We get the gospel. We get to have God far better than anything this world can offer, far better than any promise or feeling someone else can give us. Having God means finding a comfort that's unsurpassable. Having God means an unshakable security and foundation to rest upon. Having God means a refuge where there is shelter during every storm in life. When there's no air, God is there for us. Let's be honest with ourselves. The joys in this life will come to an end and then what? Life or death, Jesus and his saving work has given us a security, a confidence so that when you, when you come to this phrase, to live as Christ, to die is gain, what you're saying is Christ is far greater, far greater than any, anything else in this world. He is the, the best win we can have. My confidence will not be moved, dashed or shattered with the winnings or losings, the successes or, or failures in this life. We can always be winning in life because we get to possess the greatest treasure in this life, Jesus himself. Friends, I don't know where you're at. You might be scrutinizing the words of Paul here. I mean to live is christ to die is gain what no way jose to live is for me and to die is a waste it's a scary thought isn't it to give it all to jesus to give this life you work so hard for this image you you have this reputation that you've gained with your friends all those followers you have on instagram and to start living for christ isn't it scary to lose some of those things Lose some of those things that we so value and hold so tightly onto. To say, God, my life belongs to Jesus. Pursue Jesus above all else. Wow, are you crazy? Friends, if that's you, I really want to encourage you to look into the gospel. See the grace of God. See what he saves us from and what he saves us to. We have life abundant in him. It's far greater. We've been given his spirit of power to live by. And to live with Jesus means that I've seen the greatness of him over and above every other gift that God has given us. He is the ultimate gift. Everything else pales in comparison. You know, it's understanding that he's far greater than the things that our hearts desire so deeply for. Some of us, we deeply desire marriage and family, sex and love. We deeply desire a high-paying job or financial freedom, successful reputation. And although they're all good, there's one far greater than all those gifts. Jesus himself. And so stop for a moment and ask yourself, can you confidently say, to live is Christ, to die is gain? I have a friend who's tattooed that on his back. And I ask him all the time, is that true? Can you truly believe that? Do you live by that? Are you willing to live a radical Countercultural cultural life in the name of jesus and when i say radical for the christian it's the ordinary christian life you see for paul this is this is the ordinary christian life is to put jesus ahead of everything else to put him at the center and for life to center upon him it might mean you start thinking how do you change the way you see your money for jesus it might mean you start thinking how can i start making life decisions that center on jesus Am I always going to be upgrading my life for my comfort? Am I always going to be making decisions that are driven and motivated by what I want, or are they going to be motivated by Him, by God? Am I going to think about where I'm living for the sake of Christ so I can serve others and serve the church? Am I going to buy a house that's going to be uh, open to others so I can serve them and be hospitable with it? All these questions, how am I going to pursue relationships? How am I going to pursue sexual purity because I love Jesus? It might mean you consider your time, how you use your time, what sacrifices you might make. Think about it. The gospel changes everything. And to live as Christ means the sacrifices you make, they're not a loss. We make sacrifices joyfully because we gain. I've known and met people who have quit their high-paying jobs to become Christian missionaries. I met many of them when I was studying at Bible college. Other people would think they were crazy. They'd told me stories about uh, people in their lives who said, Wow, you know what? That's nonsense. That's a waste of a career. It's a waste of your life. But is it? In light of what we have in the gospel, is it a loss if they get to live for Jesus? Friends, for them it was gain. And it should be gain for each and every one of us when we can make decisions and sacrifices for the sake of Christ in our lives. He's worth it. Friends, what if you and I started living more like Paul and started living with this mantra to live as Christ and to die as gain? Wouldn't that change absolutely everything? Because you have a freedom in Jesus. You're not you're not enslaved to the expectations of this world. You're not enslaved to the idea of needing to win in life, to be a success in life. You've already got everything. You're already a success in God's eyes because of Jesus. And like Paul, whether you're in chains in lockdown being forced to wear a mask or experiencing The freedoms that we're blessed with. The freedoms like being able to gather in groups, eating again at your favorite cafe. Whether you're in chains or not, you and I can rejoice. Because God is good. Because Christ is ours. And because of him, because of the gospel, we're truly free. Friends, can I finish with that encouragement, that challenge, as you meditate as you reflect on these words, "To live is Christ; to die is gain." What does that truly mean for you? What in life might need to change? What decisions in life, that you the future decisions that you might be making? How will that be transformed, changed because you want to put Jesus at the center of it? What will it look like in your relationships, your time? Whatever it might be, will Jesus be at the center? Will you follow? paul's model his example here and see that to live is christ and to die is gain let me encourage you to consider that i want to pray for us father lord we do thank you for your word we thank you for the gospel that through jesus we do have everything we've already won in life we have freedom in him Freedom to live not for ourselves anymore or to live to the expectations of this world where we feel enslaved to, but a freedom where we can live for God. We can live for you. We can be truly free because we have something that not only lasts, just is, is shallow and, and ends in this life, but something that lasts for eternity. We have, we have life abundant, eternal life secured for us. And so we pray, Lord, that that gospel, that good news of who Jesus is, will be we'll we'll dig deep will resonate deeply in our hearts that our lives will will be transformed that it'll center upon him and i do pray lord as we uh, as as we pray for this that your spirit will move us your spirit will empower us and give us that boldness to step out in faith to step out and live a life that does please you for your glory for the name of jesus for his fame we pray all this amen